0: Today's reading comes from the Gospel according to John,
1: and we are all invited to listen for the wisdom, inspiration, and creative spark within this sacred story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. The Good News of Jesus Christ.
0: Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the beginning was the word. God spoke and creation came into being. The word, also known as the Logos, the wisdom of God, also called Sophia, or the Spirit of God. The inspiration, a word meaning to fill with breath, to imbue with divine spirit. Through this word, Logos, wisdom, inspiration, God came to live among us, to know us, to learn us, to love us. The story of creation tells us that something is formed or reformed every time God speaks. Let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning was the word. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. And then God said, Let us make humankind in our image. Let us make humankind in our image. If we are created in God's image, we are created to be creative, we are created to inspire and be inspired to empathize and love and learn and create, to innovate. And if the basis of our innovation is rooted in fear or the fear of death, my siblings, we are doing it for the wrong reasons. Christ didn't change the world to avoid or even postpone his death, but because he loved us and wanted to inspire us to live that kind of love, to continue the legacy of innovation, of divine breath, of logos, of wisdom at work in the world. And that empathy is the first step in human-centered design. It's called human-centered design because the people you serve are at the center of the whole process rather than a business need or an entrepreneurial idea I learned about human-centered design at my most recent week-long seminar with the Next Generation Leadership Initiative of the UCC. Human-centered design, sometimes just called design thinking, has three phases. There's inspiration, ideation, and implementation. the first phase, inspiration, it starts with empathy and lots and lots of interviews. With listening to the voices of the people you're hoping to serve, and their hopes, and their challenges, you interview experts in the issue that you're addressing. So if you are designing an insulin pump to help diabetic patients with management or compliance, you would interview actual patients with diabetes in addition to doctors or biotech inventors. You interview mainstreams and extremes. So if you're designing a cooking appliance, interview people who don't have any automatic appliances in their household. And people who cook only with a rice cooker and everything in between. You listen to all the voices. And you keep asking, what voices? Whose voices are missing? Celebrating July 4th as our nation's Independence Day does not take into account that on that day that our nation-state was formed, at least 700,000 of its inhabitants were enslaved. Frederick Douglass's speech, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July, famously asked, What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? This day in history, June 1865, was when emancipation reached Texas. And only one year ago was it made a federal holiday via the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act. Always ask, whose voices have we not listened to? Because in much more than the design process, that is the way forward. The insight that you gain from really listening to the community, to the people you are hoping to serve, helps you define your challenge or your goal. Throughout the entire design process, it's important to trust that as long as you remain grounded in the desires of your community, and the communities that you are engaging, your ideas will evolve into the right solutions. Now, because this is a hopefully 12 to 15-minute sermon and not a multi-week project, we're going to do an exercise to get a taste of defining that challenge, which is the formulation of a how-might-we question. Now, this is framing your challenge as an open-ended question. How might we insert the blank. Now the trick for getting that Goldilocks level just right, how might we question is that we can't be too broad or too narrow. It should be broad enough to evoke many ideas, even wild ideas, but narrow enough for a clear starting point. So for example, how might we grow the church is way too broad. But if, after interviewing many folks in the community, the insight is that there's a large population of local folks who have religious sentiment, but who have written off church due to a belief that all churches would not be welcoming of them. You might arrive at the question, how might we make our values known to folks? aren't going to walk inside the church on their own, let alone attend a service in order to find out. And down the line, one of the ideas you might arrive at is to have a set of rainbow Adirondack chairs in your front lawn, or a trans pride flag waving from your signage, or a strawberry festival that is open and hospitable to all. Or your community interviews might reveal that since the return to in-person worship, families that used to be in worship before the pandemic now choose to stay home together on Sunday mornings. In the case of Simple Church, a Methodist church plant in Grafton, Mass., you might ask, how might we make worship a place that families are glad and able to spend time at and eventually end up offering a Wednesday night dinner church service? instead of the traditional Sunday morning service. So now I want to invite you, congregation, to come up with your own United Parish, how might we question on your blue index card. And if you don't have a blue index card, you can raise your hand and we will come around and give you one. I see a couple hands up at the front here. So we're going to take a couple minutes just to come up with your how might we question. And if you look at your question and would have no idea where with brainstorming ideas, try to narrow it a little bit. If your question would only really point to one possible solution, try broadening it. If you're stuck, try trading cards with your neighbor and see if they can help you. Because this process, it is inherently people-centered and collaborative. So I'll give you a couple minutes just to write down a question. And when you're done, just look up and at me, and that's how we'll know that we're ready to move on. So let's popcorn some responses. Who, Which brave soul is willing to share the question that you came up with? I promise no one will tell you it's a bad idea because that's the point of this process. There are no bad ideas and no bad questions. Yeah. All
1: right, my question.
0: That's a great question. That's wonderful, so how might we strengthen the ties between United Parish and the students at Hamilton Garrett School of Music and Arts? That's a wonderful question, Patty. Anyone else willing to share? Yeah, Holly. Another great one. How might we make opportunities to serve with hearts and hands known to the whole congregation? This is great. So as I'm gonna, and you get to keep your index cards if you want or you can can drop them off at the end. There's another exercise. Yes, Barbara. So how might we use our worship to chase away the Monday morning blues? That's a great question. So there's just one exercise that we use in the design process and that a lot of churches are starting to take on to help us begin to think big. And there's another exercise that helps us to think laterally and get as creative as possible. Because remember, these first two stages Inspiration and ideation are generative. We are co-creating with God. The inspiration phase sets us up for simply adding ideas, wild ideas and mundane ideas. I mean, let's think about it. Let there be light. That is a wild idea What all that you've known is a formless void. I mean, who came up with elephants? That's a wild idea. We come up with as many ideas as possible, not workshopping or honing them or narrowing them down yet. That's the implementation phase, that's prototyping. And even then, it's an iterative process. There was the first day, the second day, the third day, and so on, until we got to the seventh day and God rested. And then what happened on the eighth? And that's something that Peter is gonna be talking a little bit about with us next week but that's prototyping and iterative phase. And you'll end up making many prototypes for many different ideas before you combine them or weed out or settle on your final product. Now this exercise that we're going to do is about seeking out what's called analogous inspiration. And this means identifying a couple characteristics of the purpose of your design challenge and looking for other outside the box areas that share those characteristics. For example, a group that was tasked with designing an ER ended up interviewing a NASCAR pit crew because they too have to deal with working at an incredibly fast-paced, high-stakes environment where they had to be precise, follow a protocol, know where every tool is located, and work around each other smoothly. A local pastor whose church is redesigning their chapel visited a series of spas, because spas are experts at creating experiences using everything from interpersonal interactions to the physical space itself. What a tough homework assignment, huh? An organization designing a conference looked at Montessori schools, whose goal is to facilitate a space where learning happens. So for our second exercise and final exercise, I want to invite you just to take a moment or two to identify some characteristics or even just one of the challenge that you addressed in your how might we question. And then think about where or what could serve as some analogous inspiration for addressing that characteristic. And again, this doesn't have to be a solo exercise. Feel free to talk to your pew neighbors, cross-pollinate. Don't worry about staying quiet either. I have the sound system on my side, so I will gather our attention back together when we need. So, who would like to share one of your ideas of where you could find analogous information? Yeah, Kate. You said to visit small villages or communities where all families and
1: residents
0: know. That's great, to visit small villages or communities where all families and residents know each other well. Else? Yeah David
1: oh, no, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. to talk to residents of affordable housing projects in Brookline itself. Yeah, Mark. That's great, to look at schools that are on a big growth path and that are drawing families in from all over. I'm curious, how did that experience feel to do these two these two exercises? You can be completely honest. You can just shout it out how it felt. Enlarging. Hopeful, yep. Yeah. Enlarging. Anything else? Can you... Hmm? Creative. That's great. Adam, can you tell me a little bit more about what... Felt hopeful to you about it. Mm. Yeah. So Adam said he could imagine other for these similar things joining in on this process. So this is just a taste of the inspiration phase. And the next phase would be Ideation, gathering as many ideas as possible. And the hardest part of the design process in churches and beyond is often spending ample enough time in the inspiration and ideation phases. Because it is so, so hard not to jump immediately towards critiquing why ideas may or may not work, or picking one idea and just starting to roll with it and figure out what you would need to do to put it in place. But there is a time and a place for that. For everything, there is a season, the Bible says, and a time for every purpose under heaven. And the time for prototyping is in the third phase, implementation. In the end, human-centered design is not a linear process. You'll often create many prototypes. And this can be tricky, as healthcare designers, Koo and Ella pointed out. We're not all accustomed to showing our work when it's in the early stages, especially showing it to others. But prototyping gets us comfortable with failing, and it prevents us from getting too attached to a single solution. You not only have to get comfortable with letting go of some of your precious ideas that you came up with, but also get comfortable with really sitting in those first two phases. It's so hard to do when the product is something so important to us personally, like growing the church or getting more connected to ministry partners. We want to jump to action, to fixing, to implementing. We are horses ready at the gate. But as our area conference minister reminded us last week, wait for it, take a breath, come up with another idea, and then another, and then another. And if you write them all down, you won't forget about them, I promise. So go ahead and then come up with another one. And Jesus traveled, listening to and engaging with people for almost three years before his entry into Jerusalem, telling everyone to keep quiet about him and his miracles and his ministry. His disciples were pretty confused by that. And so were the many of the folks that he healed and not every single one of them obeyed his request to keep quiet. But Jesus waited until the time was right. Now, if he can wait three years we can wait a few days or a few weeks, I promise. And if you want to start this process, this design process here at United Parish, one of the ways that you can begin is by taking part in our ongoing one-on-one relational meetings. This is a process that GBIO introduced us to. You can reach out to the stretching team and they can connect you with another community member to talk to and talk you through what a relational meeting looks like and how you can start to get those insights and those interviews now i'll be the first to admit this was not a very exegetical sermon for everything there is a season right but what we did get to do together today was to co-create with god to seek inspiration wisdom the logos incarnate wherever two or three are gathered. To step out of, if only for however long this sermon has been, to step out of that culture that says our worth is measured by our productivity and our perfection and our speed and efficiency. Just take time to dream and wonder and empathize. And for today, siblings, That is enough.